Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial future. My friends, I was sitting around today. Uh, actually, I started thinking about this a little bit yesterday and formulated the idea of how I could propose uh, this theory on the radio today. And really, what the theory is, is that we have been educated out of success. That's right. Our public education systems have trained us not to be successful. And they've really taken away all of our ability for critical thinking whatsoever. And I put on top of that a second supposition, and that is is that we've been trained into believing this lie that, you know, you go to school and that's going to make everything happen. You're going to get a good job. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to save that money and you're going to have lots of money for retirement. And you always see the picture of the old couple in the white clothes walking down the beach. You know, beautiful, handsome, uh, beautiful woman, handsome man. You know, perfect hair, beautiful people, not 300 pound fat slobs, you know, in stupid outfits that they, you know, with ear piercings and tattoos or whatever, uh, goofy looking shoes on. These, you know, these people look perfect. And you think, how did we get sold that dream? Where did that, let's say, stereotype come from? Or even better yet, if you want to get more aggressive, um, who brainwashed us into believing that was something I started to think about. And, Then another side thought hit me, and I wanted to be able to bring this in together, and I can't really tie them together, but they seem to go together, is that because we believe that brainwash, we spent all of our teens and 20s going to school and missed out on all the economic opportunity that's out there. During those times, I mean, there was massive economic opportunity. Things, you know, the stock market went from 1,000 to 3,000, 4,000 during that period. Uh, real estate went from houses costing ten thousand, twenty thousand bucks a house, to, to costing fifty, sixty thousand dollars a house. I remember back when I was in my thirties, early thirties, and I started buying real estate. I was buying houses for twenty-five thousand bucks a piece, which was three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage houses, anywhere from twelve to fifteen hundred square feet. Now, remember those numbers when I fast forward you to the rest of the story today, because this is a long, drawn-out story that you're going to have to listen to the whole thing to get all the insights that are going to come out of it. So if you can't get them all, remember, you can pick up everything in my podcast just by going to the Lifestyles Unlimited podcast, or you can go to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show podcast section. Uh, they're, they're located two or three different places you can pick them up. And you can get the whole show if you don't have time to hang in there as you're driving somewhere right now. I understand that. But as I look at this thing and I say, okay, we didn't make any money during our 20s. Now, I did. I worked during my 20s, and I made a lot of money um, relative to being a 20-year-old kid is what I would say a lot of money. You know, I don't know how much you would consider a lot, but way back then, let's say 30, 40 years ago, I was making uh, anywhere between fifty and $70,000 a year as a kid. That's pretty good, I think. 
I'm not sure. There might have been people making a lot more, but, you know, I didn't have a college education. I didn't have a college degree. And I was making pretty sizable money, considering that I didn't really have any overhead as a kid. I was able to save quite a bit of money, and I saved up what I would consider quite a bit of money, 100000 200000 somewhere in that range. Um, I can't remember exactly. Again, I was, it's very hard for me to think back that far because I don't really care. And revisionist history is something everybody makes up anyway. So, But the reality is I had some money, not a lot. But to me, it felt like I was pretty comfortable until I lost it all in the stock market. And I'd say all, and it wasn't all of it, but it was a good portion of it. It was a good bite. Uh, and then I started buying houses in my 30s at $25,000 a house. And I did that all the way up until houses got to $50,000 per house. And when I was buying them at 25, it was because they were they were on sale from 50. So the median price was 50, but we could buy stuff in foreclosure at 25. When it got back up to 50, I go, you know, there's probably no reason to be in real estate anymore. It's over. So I got out and didn't really engage in anything at the time. And this was only for a year, a few months to a year. I'm not sure really. It might even not even been that long. But I decided I better go do something else. So I looked into multifamily and I started buying small apartments. And um, because I could buy them cheap, I could buy them at $10,000 a unit, eight, ten, eight, nine, ten thousand. Most expensive ones I ever bought were like thirteen thousand a unit when I first started. I thought that was really overpaying. Eventually, I got up to nineteen thousand a door, and then I knew I was overpaying. And those same properties today would sell for fifty or sixty thousand dollars a door. But at that time, I thought I was overpaying because I had started at you know eight, nine, ten thousand a door, got up to fourteen, then I went to nineteen was the last one I bought, and I go, man, I've really overpaid for this. Um, and now I think about it, and I think back and think I should have bought everything I could have bought. I could have got my hands on more money. I could have syndicated more deals. I could have done, you know, stuff if I wanted to because I just sort of took it at whatever pace I could take it at, thinking I didn't want to overextend myself or make a mistake. The problem is now that it's 30, 40 years later, all that potential wealth I could have earned, I bypassed. Now, don't get me wrong, I did well for myself, and I'm not trying to put myself down. I'm I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to tell you the truth that no matter how wealthy I am right now, um, I bypassed enough that's pretty amazing. I could have had 10 times more than what I have. I blame that if there's a blame. I would um, pencil in that I didn't want to go backwards. Rule number one, don't lose money. I'd lost money in the stock market. But I had been trained into believing that failure was a massive option that you know it could happen and i didn't want it to happen that the markets go up and down up and down up and down up and down that could take somebody out but i lived through all the markets going up and down and up and down and up and down and it never took me out in fact it never even really hurt me when the markets went crashing down i was happy because i could buy stuff 50 cents on the dollar and increase the income of my portfolio i was not scared because i did not need to sell any of my old portfolio there was no reason to because i was living off the cash flow not off of a job that I had lost. And so why would I get rid of it? It was cash flowing. I had to overcome that each and every time cycled up or down. And so you go through that and we get out there in 2008 and market crashes again. And all of a sudden I can buy real estate at prices. I was used to buying it 10, 20 years earlier. And I did buy everything I could get my hands on, or at least I didn't. I bought everything I thought was exciting enough to get my hands on. And I bypassed it again. And, uh, you know, I bought probably a thousand units in a year or two. 
when I probably should have bought 10,000 units during that year or two. There's an old saying somewhere, and I don't know what it is, it says that all the people who graduated with A's end up being the scientists, the doctors, and the engineers. All the guys that graduate with B's end up being the managers and in charge of the businesses. But the people that grow up with C's end up being the owners of the businesses because they're not spending all their time focusing on this idea that you've got to be able to replicate the same exact answer, the same exact widget, the same exact everything over and over and over again, blindly following the plan. And so they took that and they trained us to believe that our life was go to school, get a job, save your money, 401k, IRA, and retire at age 65, but it failed. I'm lucky I didn't follow their plan, but there are thousands, tens of thousands of people my age I meet every day that don't have a plan. They're going to continue to work. I I talked to a guy yesterday on the radio, in fact, and he said, up until I came to Lifestyles, my plan was that I was going to work for the rest of my life. I basically saw no other way I could retire except to work for the rest of my life. And, you know, you hear this and you see this stuff, it blows your mind. So somebody sent me an article that I thought was rather interesting, and I just wanted to play off of it a little bit. And the article says, Americans' middle class is slowly being wiped out. Now, that sounds like a good generalized article, right? But it really isn't. It really comes down to the guy about the fact people can't afford to be teachers anymore. And it's like 18 pages of all of the problems teachers are having trying to make ends meet. But as I thought about this, I thought, okay, let's just use the first page. Let them set the table of the problem. And I thought, let me, someone who doesn't think inside of the box, solve the problem they don't want to solve. So it goes on and says, after spending his day teaching American history and economics at the public Live Oak High School in San Jose, California, uh, Matt Berry drives for Uber. All right, and let me see if I can give credit to whoever the heck wrote this stupid article. Uh, this is called Watch. That's the website. It's Wall Street Journal, Cohen formed shell company, payoff Playboy model. Oh, that's just another side thing. So I guess it's just called Watch. And uh, it goes on and says, so here he is, he's a history teacher, economics teacher by day, and he drives Uber by night. Barry's wife, Nicole, teaches as well. They each earn $69,000 a combined salary that on long, that not so long ago was enough to afford a comfortable family life. But due to the astronomical cost in this area, including real estate, a 1,500-square-foot starter home cost $680,000. Driving for Uber was a necessity. Teachers are killing themselves, Barry says, in Alicia Quarter's new book, Squeezed by Our Families Can't Afford America, uh, which came out Tuesday. I shouldn't be having to drive Uber at 8 o'clock at night on weekdays. I just shut down from the mental toll 
grading papers between rides and thinking what I could do instead of driving. So let's use some critical thinking on this. If you didn't believe in the nanny state, in other words, I, because I live in the nanny state, I grew up a liberal, I grew up in a liberal society that says everybody deserves to do what they want to do. I deserve to have as much as anybody else. Right? I deserve it. it it's mine. I should be able to have it. Why don't I have it? Why can't I have it? And what are you going to do to make it possible for me to have it? Is the questions they ask. Instead of, how can I solve it? Now, I have many, many teachers that are rich. They're financially successful because they thought outside of the box, said, you know what, if I'm going to make teaching my life, which is, you know, a valiant thing to do. I've got many educators in my family. Aunts, uncles, actually two uncles, two aunts were both professors, teachers, administrators. It's a valiant thing to do. But they realized that they either have to live at that level of cost or they need to produce more income. My family just actually figured out how to live at that level of cost. But other people have had to figure out how to raise their income to the point where it would be enough to supply their habit. When we come back, let's talk about some of the things people are willing or not willing to do to make ends meet and to get ahead and have a retirement. We'll be right back the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life changing principles in just a few minutes. The other thing I think people hear landlord or property owner, and they think of Donald Trump and other multi-billionaires that own real estate, and that's not who the vast majority of owners across the nation are. The typical owner of a rental property owns just a couple properties, and they're people just like me and you. You can own single-family houses and apartments, too. We'll show you how. Register at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Join our national network of rental owners. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we've been discussing how we've been educated out of success and financial freedom. We talked about how the schools have turned us into drones and we can't think critically to solve our own problems. So I read an article about uh, a family where both of them were teachers. They both made $69,000 a year each, uh, and they couldn't afford to live in San Jose. And so the husband is Uber driving at night. Isn't it your responsibility to take care of yourself? And if so, they put themselves in this situation. They're living in a problem that they created themselves. Well, Dell, what do you mean they created the problem? The, the, the cost of living has gone up. No, no, no. That's The cost of living is not the problem. They're the problem. So let's talk about what their problem is. Number one problem is they want to live in California. 69,000 times two, that's uh, 70, 70, $140,000 a year. You could live in Texas and you could live just fine. But why can't you live in California? Well, 
State income tax is one thing, but here's another. A 1,500-square-foot home costs $680,000. Why do you want to live in a state where a house that size costs $680,000? That home in Houston costs 100000 bucks or less, and yet you write articles about how teachers are suffering. The problem is not teachers are suffering. The problem is no one has taught them how to supplement their income. And so if they want to do something, you know, what if I wanted to be, I just love cleaning toilets. What if that was going to be my career? I have the right to make that choice, but I do not have the right for society then to be, or for me to demand of society to allow me to live like someone who went out and got a good job, made a lot of money, or had great investments. It's not mean. It's humanly normal to believe you should take care of yourself. To think otherwise is a brainwashed situation that your educational system has put you into. There is no way that a teacher produces as much value as somebody that makes a million bucks a year. Somebody making a million bucks a year is helping thousands and thousands of people get a product, get a service, get something of value, have a place to live, and a teacher's taking kids and teaching them math, the same thing that we do right here in our home. These people solve their problem by either getting invested in real estate. Now think about this. What if 10 years ago when they decided they wanted to be teachers or 20 years ago when they decided they wanted to be teachers, they bought a couple rent houses? Well, those rent houses would have gone from being worth 180000 which they were 10 years ago, to 650000 which they are now, and they'd be multimillionaires. All they would have had to done was realize, if I'm going to be a teacher and I don't want to be poor, I've got to create streams of income, period. So let's move on to the next article. Another one somebody sent me. By the, or Actually, I've looked it up from that same article. It was called from that watch group again. And what it's saying is financial stability doesn't necessarily mean having a high income. And it goes on and says young Americans have struggled so much in recent years that they may not even know what being financially sound looks like. A commentator on a popular social networking site, Reddit, asked following members, what exactly does financially sound mean? It just started working, and I don't know if I'll ever reach that point. Saving is no doubt harder with low income, but even people aren't wealthy. Young people in their 20s or 30s can financially stable if they focus on saving rather than spending. Uh, said somebody, Pona Nonis, an <laughs> attorney from Financial Planner based in Washington, D.C. For people who receive a raise or a bonus at work, for instance, she shrugged, saving half of it or more, it would get you the habit of living less, living on less uh, than you make, and you continue to improve your financial situation or something like that. It goes on and says, what are the three things you should ask yourself? Number one, do I spend all my salary every month? Number two, do I have six months worth of expenses in emergency savings fund? And number three, what is, where's number three at? Oh, gosh. Oh, do I have, do I have retirement savings? You got cut off the end of the page. Do I have retirement savings? So if you look at what they're asking them, do I spend every penny of what I make? I came up with three questions you should ask yourself. Are you saving at least 25 to 50% of what you earn? You go, Dell, that's insane. You can't do that. Okay, look, I got kids living right here. They lived with us. 
up until they were in their late 20s. In fact, one of the kids still lives with her dad. And she's in her, yeah, late 20s. You're living at home. You have no bills. Right? You have a job. She has a job. She makes good money. And she saves quite a bit of it. She's got quite a bit of money saved up. She doesn't want to admit it because she's embarrassed that none of her other friends have any money. Because they spend every dime they make. When you're in that situation, no matter where you are in life, you start somewhere where you have very little overhead. If you don't raise your overhead, that first paycheck you get is 100% more than what you had the day before. You could start with a 50% savings plan right then. Easily. Just like the guy saying, if you get a raise, that raise isn't, you don't have it right now, you could save half of that raise. If you can only afford 25%, as you go out and buy assets and they start to increase income that's passive, it's on the outside of what you have, right? You need none of that because you had none of it. So every dime of what you earn passively should be saved. So now you've got, you're saving 25% of your paycheck and every dime of what you make passively. Now, of your total net worth, you're saving closer to 50%. With that kind of ratio and with reinvestments, you're going to be a millionaire in no time at all. Second question you ask yourself is, how much passive income did I earn last year? How much more am I going to earn this year? The amount of passive income blows my mind when I ask people, okay, everybody in the room, please write down how much passive income you have. And they all just look at me like blank, like, duh, I don't have any. How do you have no passive income? Where in the world can 95% of the people in this country not have passive income? What were your parents thinking? The last one I'd ask you is, for the other 5% or 10% in the room that do have passive income, what is your passive income earning you percentage-wise last year? And what we found is, the average person earns less than 1% a year, but the really invested people, the people that are really out there hustling, they're usually making 5 or 6% or less. So in other words, they're not out there making the 100% return, the 50% return, the 40% return. They're not managing their savings and retirement accounts. They're just saving it. And it's earning very little return. So the third article I'm going to bring up, it says almost 70% of millennials regret buying their homes. Here's why. And it goes on and talks about the fact that millennials are really upset about owning their home. But first of all, it talks about the number of millennials that own their home. And it says right now, 42% of millennials own their home. 46% rent, uh, and 11% stay with their parents, 1% stays with a friend. And uh, these millennials decided that they made some really bad mistakes in buying a home. 70% of them feel like they've made a very bad mistake in purchasing their home. The number one mistake they feel like they made is they feel like they put too much down on their personal residence. Now, that's a very logical thing to figure out after you do it. But in the beginning, every pundit you run into, all are going to tell you, put as much down as you possibly can to get your payments as low as you can and to get this thing paid off as quickly as you can. And what they do is they end up creating a cash-poor environment. 
And secondly, they create an environment where they have no income. What they should have done was taken all of that money they put down and bought rental income. So now they have more income to pay the mortgage note with. And they have three or four times the assets working for them. Number two, an owner-occupant can get into a home for zero down. So they can still have a home. So you've now got the asset of your personal residence accumulating uh, appreciation, mortgage pay down, all the benefits, tax benefits, which have been taken away, by the way, uh, to some extent. Uh, you, then you also have these rental properties. And for, you know, 600, think about $600,000 house that these guys were talking about. If they put 20% down, which would be the typical down payment, 20% down would be uh, $130,000. You could have bought, you know, eight rent houses with that. Think of if they put 20% down, they could have bought eight rent houses, made $500 a house, and be making $4,000 a month more cash flow. He wouldn't need to drive Uber if he made $48,000 a year tax-free by his rental properties. Remember, tax-free 48000 is equivalent to that 69000 they both earned by having jobs. Now, guys send me an email the other day. He goes, all you do is yell at people. I yell at you because you're not listening. You're not paying attention. As the successful people in this world get wealthier and wealthier and wealthier, and you're seeing that the smart people in our society, our educated people, educated in finance, are getting wealthier every single day, year, month, whatever. And the middle class is gone. That's what they're saying. The middle class is gone. Second thing about owning a home is they buy too large a home. We've all been taught our entire lives, buy the largest home you can possibly afford, right? Because then over 30 years, you'll pay it off and it'll be your largest asset. Wow. Dumb as a rock. You're now house poor. You can't afford the payments. And the second largest thing that they're complaining about is not the payments. They knew what the payments were going to be. It's the upkeep and maintenance. The reason 46% of millennials live or rent in an apartment is because when they call the apartment for maintenance, there's a maintenance guy to come fix stuff. I just got off the phone with another person in my neighborhood, and we're sitting here fighting with the landscape crews that have been doing our neighborhood for a year. They just tripled the cost of landscaping. The cost of my landscaping on my house is more than most people pay for their personal home residence, mortgage payment, and automobile payments each month. That's my landscaping. And yet... What happened was, and that's because they just tripled it, okay? It wasn't that much before, but they just tripled that. And so a couple of the neighbors, all of which are wealthy, to live in this neighborhood, you have to be smart enough to be wealthy enough to live here, right? Got together and said, this is insane. These people don't know what they're doing. And so we all go out and look for some way to solve the problem. But really, the real problem is what my dad taught me a long time ago when I was a kid, and that is this. It's not what it costs to buy it, it's what it costs to maintain it. And if you go out there and buy yourself a home before you're financially able and capable to take care of it, then you are dooming yourself to financial disaster the rest of your life. Yes, my friends, we have been educated into poverty. 
Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. Information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.